yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rally red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I'm here with John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And, John, we are live on Twitch for the first time. Yeah, don't don't judge us too harshly. We have no idea how Twitch works, so hopefully, nope. this, is, hopefully this is fun. Yeah, I mean, I just figured it gives them an opportunity to do a live, like watch us record live and be a part of it, and then they can watch the Twitch channel grow as we do different things on Twitch. So um, shout out to Preston for setting all this up. Uh, John, where do you want to begin this episode? Because there is a lot to dive into. I think we've got to begin with um, what is it? How the uh, how NRG turns the soap okay. opera that we're kind of in the middle of right now. Yep. So, do you want to hear the the great long story that I've kind of put together from reading literally everything out there? Sure. Do you want me to just kind of get into it from kind of like beginning to end? Just Are you it. sure? Because I butcher everybody's names. That's All right. Okay. That's okay. So. Get started. Wait, am I going to interject or am I going to wait until you're completely done? That's up to you. Let's wait until you're completely Well, if you, if you have questions, just ask. Okay. All right. All right, go. My, from what I've understood, this is literally me reading every article out there um, and actually talking to a couple – couple of friends that it's kind of a game of telephone at this point, but believe it or not, uh, Nick Casterly played golf with one of my friends at Newberry back in South Carolina. So this is nothing but more or less rumors, but there's enough out there that it kind of all makes sense. So essentially that Robert Kraft video getting caught with a hooker, really did not sit well with several people on the in the upper part of the Patriots organization. That includes Casterby. Casterby. Both of them. You mean Easterby? Easterby, I'm sorry. And now, 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 You're getting Casterly and Casterby and Easterby and Casario all in one. You made one person out of four. Well, you know what? It applies to all of them. <laughs> Easterby, sorry. All right, go ahead. All right, so Easterby. Uh so he golfed with Easterby. He golfed with Easterby. And he doesn't so he doesn't have any count. inside information about it, but he just says that he is legit and that he was shocked that he stayed with the Patriots when that came out. So that's pretty much – and he knows that um, Casero and Easterby are pretty close, and Casero's kind of that same mindset. So this is just like opinion of opinion, that it would make sense that Casero would want to go with Easterby to a less, um, I don't even know what the best way to put it, a, a less sleazy organization. That's essentially, okay. 
how he put it. Like they, he he was just kind of joking around because he's a South Carolina guy as well, like a gamecock. He went to uh, my friend played golf in Newberry for a couple of years, but then Easterby. No, 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 my friend went to. But Easterby, no, know, but Easterby, Easterby played Easterby played golf at Newberry as well. He also graduated from. Yeah, South but Carolina. my friend who played golf at New, at, e, at Newberry also graduated from South Carolina. He transferred to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, a lot of details, but I know people want these things. Will kind of kind of pick everything about apart. So I just wanted to get it all out there. Um, and again, he doesn't have any inside information. He's just saying it based on the personality. We all know that Easterby is. I mean, that's why he was brought in. He's essentially a team chaplain. He is very intelligent, knows a lot about football, and apparently is and very, and very, very religious. And he is not hypocritical about it. However, when you kind of hear the whole story, I don't know. Think his joke, though, was think Dabo up at Clemson. That, that's used to be. So, well, shoot. <laughs> This is the wrong audience to kind of explain Dabo and Clemson, but Dabo has tightly inter- inter- intertwined his faith with the Clemson football program. Easterby is the exact same way. If you look at the history of the Texans and even even with Cal, that's probably going to be the same thing at with our franchise. Also, I mean, we're that's part of it, but at the same time it has been well documented that the Panthers – Threw a lot of money at Easterby as well. So just kind of read in blind, read in between the lines on that. It's easy to say that maybe that was the tiebreaker, maybe it wasn't. But regardless, the point is that he kind of has this feeling that knowing him, knowing that Easterby is friends with Casero, they are pretty close, that them wanting to leave because of the whole massage program, um, happy. Yeah. The whole happy ending. To him, he's like, that all makes sense. So that's my little, like, personal kind of connection. So there is a little bit of background on on his personality, and there's a lot of out there that kind of feeds into it if you actually go out there and read all the articles. The next part about it is apparently Bill O'Brien, this was his draft. This was entirely his draft. This was not Brian Gaines' draft, and that's where the frustration came from. Wasn't that Bill O'Brien wanted more power? He had all the power, but he wanted somebody to do the work. So he wants a guy that will go out there and get the type of players that he wants without him having to do it himself. Makes sense. Um, We all know that one of O'Brien's children – um, his name is Jack. Takes a lot of care. And Bill O'Brien, he is a workaholic. However, he does want to spend some time with his children. So when he got Brian Gain, even though Brian Gain was his fourth choice, Brian Gain was almost too deferential to Bill O'Brien. He wouldn't do anything without Bill O'Brien. And so basically Brian Gain relied on – So Bill O'Brien was essentially working as the acting GM as is. Okay. Um, apparently he was very, very heavily involved in the draft and the players that they targeted in free agency. And then there was also frustration that we didn't get some of the players that were targeted in free agency. Okay. 
Now, this is just pieced together out of reading way too many articles and right too many interviews. Bill O'Brien has not said anything one way or the next on this to substantiate it. This is players or this is coming from every single source in Houston. I'm sure there's a lot of other guys out there that can if you're listening to this show, you've probably read all the guys I've had, so you probably already knew all this. So here's the timeline. We have a we have Easterby and Casero. Easterby was able to get out. Casero wants out. They want to come to a organization that supports them. Bill O'Brien wants the power but doesn't want to be the GM. So that's kind of like the perfect storm that led to Brian Gain being out. On top of that, apparently Brian Gain, there was a discussion about just asking him to step down because they did value him as a personnel guy. However, as an actual GM, um, putting it all together, um, it just came that Bill O'Brien was just kind of doing everything. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. It's what I've put together so far. Um, so it was kind of decided that it would be better instead of having Brian Gaines just step down, that they would release him from his contract so he is free to find employment somewhere else. And it has not even been ruled out that he would not be back with the Texans. Now, that part I am not entirely sure about because Bill O'Brien has admitted that he has not spoken to Gaines since it all went down. And honestly... If you worked your entire life off to get your dream job and then 18 months in getting told that you weren't good enough, I'm not sure how amicable he may have claimed it is. It's not amicable. So that, that right there is just my little bit of interjection. I don't think Cal McNair is totally disappointed in Brian Gain. He just didn't want Brian Gain to be the GM. And Bill O'Brien... And Cal McNair have kind of established that we are going to be a coach-driven team. However, we need a GM that gets along with Bill O'Brien while at the same time can operate independently. And that's why Casero was their number one choice. Casero has been with the Patriots since 2001. 17 years. He was a quarterback in college. However, he... He was actually Josh McDaniels' quarterback in college, so that's kind of cool. Uh, McDaniels was the wide receiver. Pretty much the – just kind of like the stories about it is McDaniels was the worker. Like, he worked his ass off, whereas Casero was just naturally smarter. So just putting it hand in hand. Casero also, when Bill O'Brien was the coach with – was coaching with the Patriots, him and – O'Brien were apparently extremely close. The belief has always been that Casero and McDaniels would be a package deal wherever they go. Um, if McDaniels had gone to the Colts, uh, Casero probably would have gone with him. That's the rumor. But there's also been kind of conflicting where Casero would rather go, would rather have O'Brien as his coach versus McDaniels. Like he believes more in Mc- O'Brien as a coach than McDaniels. So, kind of a perfect storm, and the reason it fell through, though, and this, there's a lot of sources out there, is the Texans kind of got their hands caught in the cookie jar. There are text messages that will prove that for tampering. There's enough text messaging out there that they fear that that's a legitimate case for tampering. So, 
if the Texans had fought the Patriots, we would have Casero right now as our GM. However, we would end up giving up a pick, which is why it's also been floated out there that the trade may still happen. If the trade still happens, the hope is that we will give up a lesser pick than we would have had to give up because we got caught tampering. We actually did get caught tampering. That goes back to to my earlier statement. Somebody said too much over a text message. And granted, that could have just been along the lines of, um, hey, I went out. Do you all have a job? And something, it apparently could be that simple because it's – it's the NFL, and you never know with how that's going to go. They could have outright um, offered him the job beforehand, and the NFL said, eh, that's not tampering. Or they could have just said, hey, on the slide, hey, if there's ever something that's open, yeah, definitely. And the NFL decides that is tampering because you never know with Roger Goodell. So the Texans have kind of taken the point of why fight it. They kind of believe that Casero will be around next year. He's obviously the only one they want. Right now, Bill O'Brien has kind of felt like he's been doing the job anyway, so what's it matter for him to just continue to do it? So we'll most likely end up with Casero as our GM if we still have Bill O'Brien as our coach next year. However, at this point, I'm not even 100% sure about that. Okay, so a lot to unfold there. Um, let's start with Easterby. So Jack used to be a very religious man, team chaplain, um, big fan of John Gordon. If anybody has read any John Gordon books, uh, John Gordon is also a uh, devout Christian, uh, motivational writer. Um, so Jack Easterby left New England because of the massage parlor incident, specifically. That's what triggered his departure. His wife, a more devout Christian, I, I guess you can't really measure someone's religion, but let's just say that she was not happy and did not want, this This is just from what I've read, i uh, read a lot of stuff from Boston, um, was not happy with the situation completely, and so Jack Easterby left, his contract was up, and instead of re-signing, he came to the Texans. Now, with the whole Casario stuff, I, I don't know. I don't really, like, you, you know, you say that there's text messages. Are there text messages? Sure. But how does one obtain text messages unless they are showed? And if the texts are stupid enough to text somebody outside of just Casario or Casario's agent, who is also Easterby's agent, then there's a bigger issue inside NRG if that's the approach they went. That means either the agent Easterby or Casario shared those text messages with the New England Patriots. Well, I wonder if it was a uh, Patriots-issued phone. Either way, they, text. they could still delete it. Like, If he was really doing that, nobody's just going to leave those texts on their phone. It's just not the way it works. So either... No. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's said. The way that it the way that it's coming across is it was vague enough that it could go one way or the next. There was text between specifically Easterby and Casario, and the idea is I have no idea how much – I have no idea if they were shown over or if they were – it was one of those, it's like, hey, let us see your text type deal. But that's kind of like – and again, this is a rumor. I mean, it, there's nothing substantiated. There's nothing out there with actual proof. 
but this is the story that's going around is there was text messages between them. And it could have just been Casario like, hey, if I go to the Texans, who's coming with me? He could have been reaching out to other scouts or something like that, trying to sure. get a feel for who wants to go with the, me. The bigger issue I have. And actually, now that I now that I speak about that and kind of talk about that out loud, that's actually what I'd say would be more, most likely as who who's trying to put his staff together and got a little ahead of himself. The biggest issue I have is the fact that, one, Easterby and Casario share the same agent, so that clause in the contract, the agent should have known that prior to. So where we are now... Yeah, that clause is something that it's been used as an excuse, but that wouldn't have held up. Well, that's fine, but either way, that was the excuse they used, right? Yeah, it's just been used as an excuse. It's one of those things that working with lawyers and something like that, if somebody could have said, hey, he's got this, but hey, don't worry about it. It's a non-issue. Whereas I think that whatever happened with the texting, um, if Casario showed his phone, then he really didn't want to come over. If he was texting other members of the Patriots staff, then that actually probably makes the right. most sense. That, that's what I'm saying. But either way, either way he got, either way. Yeah. He got so the point out of all of this that I took from this is that Casario did want to leave. Casario yes. did want to come to Houston. He did want to take the general manager spot in Houston, but Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick wants something in return. The Texans were not willing to give up from what is being reported as a first round pick for Nick Casario. The, the Texans did not want to that to be a part of it. Uh, so therefore new England is keeping Nick Casario through the 2020 draft. And then potentially he could come here or they could decide to re-up his contract either now or later and say, hey, if you want to be here, here's what we're going to do. Or if not, feel free. Now, here's where the issue steps. I'm willing, I'm willing to bet that with Casario, it's more, about, it's more about worth. They're treating him like a GM and they're protecting him like he's a GM, but they're paying him. If he was, if his title actually was GM right now, he'd be the lowest paid GM. Right, I think his salary is like $2 million a year. Um, so I'm sure all he wants is a raise. Out of well, this. maybe, or maybe he wants to build his own thing. Maybe, he, maybe, maybe he wants to show that it's not just Belichick that you guys are giving all this credit to, and I want to show what I'm capable of doing as a general manager. I don't know. I've never talked to Nick, so I honestly have no idea. Uh, but what I do take is that Casario would like to get out. Now, here's where the tricky part of this whole situation comes up. And, John, you, you, you would know this firsthand just like I do. If you know that somebody is potentially going to leave you as an employee and they are going to be there for another eight months, typically how do you handle that as somebody who is managing people? Well, it kind of depends on the employee and why they right. went out. Um, Let's say they want out because they're not get, they're being held back and they want they want their own thing. They want to be able to spread their wings and they feel that you are holding me back. At that point, with if it was my employee, I actually just sit there and I try to give them more responsibility and try and let them work into the position they actually want, depending on the quality of the sure. employee. If it's somebody this as good as this guy is then, yeah, you work him into the position he, he wants. Um, 
So let's say that you do that and they say, I still want to leave in my eight months. So I'm, I'm going to be leaving in eight months, no matter what responsibilities or roles you give me. In his situation, I really don't know, to tell you the truth. That's such a unique situation where there's so many eyes mm-hmm. on him that, and he's so well-known, and obviously if the Texans are willing to wait eight months for him, it doesn't matter what he does over these next mm-hmm. eight months. Probably I would cut him off of everything, which is not what you can do in, in our world, but in the NFL I think right. you can. You just cut him off, and you're just essentially holding him out there out of spite because if he quits, he still can't work for eight It's not the way it works. It's not the real world. So just so everybody's clear, because I've seen this out there, if he quits or resigns, he's still under contract. It's different than being an employee quitting and going to another job. In the NFL, you're under a contract that you signed. So therefore, just like if a player was to retire and come back in two months, that player is still obligated to be on that team if he is going to play in the NFL, unless the team chooses to let him go and sign with another team. It's the same situation with Syria. See, well, this is where we kind of we kind of got ourselves stuck. Because with Casario, if he decided he did not want to work for the Patriots and we offered him a better position, then he could take it. The problem is the tampering charge. The Patriots bring that back out. And obviously, regardless of what happened, and we don't know what did happen, but something happened that that's enough that the Texans are like, okay, hold up. And we've already seen how this franchise is. They'll play hardball. I mean, we didn't trade for Romo when Romo probably would have played football for another two years if we'd given up something for him. Now they're doing it on the executive level. Well, it all depends on how he is, um, not necessarily his title, but is his title held in high regard in the sense of uh, within the league. He may not have the GM title, but he may be considered a high enough executive that um, no matter what, even if it was a GM title in Texas, in Texas, it would still be considered somewhat of a lateral move. It's basically just a title, even though the roles and responsibilities stay the same. So what, I'm, what my question was and where I was going with that is if you know that an employee is going to be unhappy for the next eight months and you know he's leaving – what do you what do you do in that situation? You you have to let them go, right? There's a chance of damage done to the business. Um, you're not going to get their maximum effort. Who knows what can happen, and it's not a risk you're willing to take. Typically, right. you've got you've to let them go. Even though you love them, they've been great with you, they've been loyal, they're trying to do their own thing. Most companies don't give you a slap on the butt and say, good job, go get them, because that's just not the world we live in. And Bill Belichick's not going to do that either. So I guess what I'm wondering is, is are the Patriots now in the position where they are going to drop? Well, you see, I don't, I don't, this is what I don't get about this guy. The Patriots have let other player, other people leave. They've let lots of other people leave. They've let, let lots of other people take positions somewhere else. Why are they digging their heels in so much with this guy? He's the secret sauce. I mean, why else would they keep him? I mean, because you're right. They let, they've, let, they've let everybody go. There's, But they've never really been high, high executives. I mean, this guy's been here 17 years, so obviously... Well, P- I mean, Pioli and Dimitrioff both held this guy's position. But Pioli left on his own. He'll yeah. be a GM. Right, and so, so did Dimitrioff. The exact same thing. But their contracts were up. Were they? Yeah. 
That's why I don't understand why they're holding him back. Because what was it? Pioli was serving as like a consultant. So he was basically... No, when he originally left the Patriots to go to the Chiefs. Yeah. I didn't think his contract was up. So he was a basically like a 1099 employee. He was a consultant. Oh, really? Yeah. So what I'm trying to figure out is if that's the case, then why not? Or are they just trying to get something in return? And if so... What are they wanting in return? And if so, no, they. I think they want a draft pick. I mean, I just honestly. But what? What round? Because we're not giving up a first round pick. Something tells me that they want a first, second, or a third, and we're not willing to do that. I'd give up a third. This year, yeah, we have extra comp picks, so why the hell not? Well, the problem with giving up a a, a third round pick is. We essentially trade for his contract, so he's on, only under contract for one year. Right. So we'd have to renegotiate it. It's the same as like trading for a player. Yeah. And do we want to give up a third-round pick for a guy? I don't know. <laughs> I can't. They're going to wait. I cannot believe it, but they're just going to wait this whole thing out. Well, like, that's what it is. Problem, they're going to wait. The only problem I have with waiting is the draft and free agency. Now, we have people in place that can do those things. Chris Olsen is still there. Jack Easterby will help. Uh, if Bill O'Brien, if this was truly Bill O'Brien's draft, which it looks like it was based on the players, uh, then we might be okay. But I don't know if that's something I want Bill O'Brien to be managing at this time. And come the season when injuries occur, which will happen, and you have to fill the roster. I don't know if I want Bill O'Brien, the guy that's going to be negotiating potential trades or contracts. No, they've got personnel guys that are handling all that right now. Uh, I'm trying to look for that article where they're saying what the current setup will most likely look like. Yeah, it's going to be Chris Olsen... Doing the, uh, but the contract work and all that, and like the salary cap as he has been. Easter B will help with scouting along with the scouting team. And then there's another guy that I'm missing. Uh, he's been with the Texans for a long time. I don't know. Anyways, the point is, what does this mean for Bill O'Brien this year? Essentially, they're going to have Easter B run football operations, Olsen. In charge of contracts and one of their scouting directors. Where did, where's his That's name? I remember. Um, shoot, I can't find his name. It's somebody though that many many people think that in he's a couple of years he's going to be a GM in his own right. Anyways, correct. So they've got the pl- the people in place. They can do it. What I mean by Bill O'Brien is. At the end of this season, does he get a pass if he has a flop of a season to be back next year? I just I I just don't know how many excuses this guy can have now. Didn't have a quarterback. Everybody got hurt. Now I don't have a GM. Was never aligned with it. It's just like every single thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
at this point, I really I I don't know how to defend them. I mean, at very least, if our team doesn't come out and just absolutely blow the world away on offense, I think he'll get a little bit of a pass on defense because that's where most of the free agent misses were. But if our offense just doesn't look like something else, then it's all at Bill O'Brien's feet now. This is his entire mess. Regardless of anything, this is his mess. He did not fire Rick Smith. First and foremost, people tend to forget this. Rick Smith left because his wife had cancer. But Brian Gain, even if he was their fourth pick, he was their he was their pick. And he didn't make it work. Regardless of what the feelings towards that were, what's the real story behind it, he did not make it work. So, at this point, this year, everything's really at Bill O'Brien's feet. And he's got to be the one that's held, held responsible for it. So, I guess what I'm wondering is, if that's the case, what should our expectations be for the well, season? Should they change? We or should, should they stay the same? be a better team this coming year than we were this last year. We should be, just from the growth of Deshaun Watson and the offensive players. The offense has so much youth, just keeping them together another year should allow us to be better. The question will be the questions will be on our defense, partic- uh, particularly in our secondary. We don't were we upgraded for speed with our corners. We lost the speed with our safeties. Now I think that we have better players at safety. However, losing that speed and losing that that kind of flexibility could potentially have an impact. When you look at most of our moves. Just through the offseason, they've been kind of lateral. And then our draft was all these guys that have high upside but low floors. So just playing the odds, we should just be better based entirely on growth. And that's the only way that we can really be better. Because we don't have a diff- we didn't bring in any sort of difference maker. If some of our guys do not elevate their game, the Texans are going to be a worse club next year. And we went from having one of the easiest schedules in football to having one of the hardest. So this coming season could, quite honestly, it could be a disaster. And it could be painful to watch if our offense doesn't take that step forward. But we've waited for years and years and years and years to have a franchise quarterback. And we have one. We hope. We think. We believe. And that should make all the difference this coming year, which keeps it from being another dumpster fire, which will get O'Brien more time, which will lead to Casero becoming our GM. And we'll probably have to deal with O'Brien and Casero for at least two to three years after this year. All right, uh, John. I know, right? I almost called you Bill O'Brien. The part that's getting lost in this entire thing that is bothering me and nobody is talking about it. And this will resonate with you. No GM. Bill O'Brien in control. No talks. 
with Clowney. So now we know, or we're, we're, we'll be able to know soon, come July 15th, if there's not a deal, we'll know that it wasn't just Brian Gain. We'll know that it was an organ, organizational decision to not sign Clowney long-term. Where are you at with this now? Because I'm starting to think that that's the case, that Clowney is not a part of the future long-term. He may be here next year under the franchise tag, but outside of that... I'm kind of terrified. Where's he going to tell you the truth? I know that they have a price tag on Clowney and on how much they want to pay him, but you got to remember with that price tag, you can't go out and pay another player that amount to come in and step in and replace Clowney. You just can't. Yes, there may be other players that are paid less than him that are better than him out there, but are you able to sign them? Are you able to draft them? And the answer to both of those questions is no, you can't. You cannot replace him. So you got to hold on to him. Nope. But they're not going to. I mean, we'll know for sure in three weeks. Because come July 15th, if there's not a deal done, we know for a fact that this will be this will be it. Either this year or next year will be the last year that Clowney is a part of the Houston Texans. What I don't understand is what the plan is after that. Because, like you said, you're not drafting somebody that's going to give you the production Clowney gives you. And you're not going to be able to sign a player that's going to give you what Clowney can give you. And miss me with all the injury talk and all that, that's gone. Those, those, those all have, that ship has sailed two years ago. That's not a concern anymore. So what I don't understand is where the logic lies on not signing Clowney, considering we have the money. If we really wanted to, we could front load even more now with the amount of money that we have and everybody under contract to where his contract for the next three to four years is very manageable. And yet we're not. Yeah, it just leaves me as uh, just confused. And I am—I I, I know I'm a Clowny fanboy. Um, I'm unapolog- unapologetically a Clowny fanboy. I have watched every play, every snap that kid has played. At this point, what is it, six years? Um, between South Carolina and the Texans, seven years? Yeah. Seven years? Seven years. I've seen the impact that he can have on the game. I know that there are better players than him out there. This has not ever been my argument that he's one of the top five defenders in the league. However, he's one of the – I would say he's one of the top ten indispensable defenders in the league. He does so much that it would take two players to replace him, and arguably you could pay two players less than it takes to pay one clowny. However, those two players just aren't out there. And even with those two players, you're still not going to get what Clowney can give you. I mean, the mix-up in, in defenses, the, the changes, the, the blitzes from middle linebacker to lining up on the nose to playing the edge, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean... And my biggest I mean, fear is that we see a downturn in J.J.'s production because guess what? No 90 is there to take on those double teams. 
no 90s there to set the edge and take let J.J. take on the favorable matchup. When Clowney's not on that team, if it's just J.J. on the defensive line, I know everybody loves him, but you're not getting 2013 J.J. Watt anymore. No. And here's the thing. If Clowney leaves free agency, it would not surprise me to see him go to the Patriots because Clowney is quite literally Bill Belichick's he he's he's what yeah, he wants. He's a, I mean that's what he prays for yeah. before he goes to bed. Not even when he goes to bed, what's what he dreams about when that's he wakes up to. I mean this that's what'll what'll get him going. Clowney is can singular singularly you can play either a three four or a four three with the same personnel by having Clowney out there and just switching. And you're playing it as a true three four or a true four three. You don't have to make any other changes to your personnel, just have Clowney out there and his ability to roll on the defensive line. Um, yes, your nose tackle may be a little bit undersized, but Clowney is able to eat two blockers, play two gaps as a defensive end, and he's able to switch back to a four to a four three defensive end and rush the passer. And then he's even able to go play a three four linebacker and rush the passer. So he's he doesn't just play two positions; he plays more like four or five different positions, and. If he get, reaches free agency, it will not surprise me if he ends up in New England or under another Belichick disciple who will take advantage of that. The only reason that I could see us not keeping him in Houston is if there is something legitimate to the personality issues that he has with Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien has a big personality, and that may be true. But he'll go to another coach who was able to work with his personality for a couple of years, and and he'll do very well. And... We'll sit here, go, and we'll all curse and complain, and everybody that said we should have let Clowney rock walk will be bitching and moaning that we let Clowney walk. That's just the nature of sports. That's the nature of how this goes. Yeah, I think he goes to Miami, but that's just me with Brian Flores. But um, so, what are your expectations for Clowney moving forward? Have they changed since all of this, and has there been any? Has there been any changes in your mindset of, of what goes on, or do you still think that there's a chance? I still think there's a chance. Um, I just – If Bill O'Brien's at the realm, do you think that – at the helm, do you really think that – I guess what I'm wondering is, do you think Bill O'Brien and J.D. have a relationship where Bill O'Brien I think would so. want to keep J.D.? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, Clowney and Bill O'Brien – Publicly, neither one of them has ever said anything negative about the other guy. It's always the uh, the whispers that fill all, in all the gaps in Houston media. It's always those whispers that say that it's the same people that are saying that Clowney was lazy and was disrespected about his work ethic. So that, those same people are saying that they're now fighting. They're just trying to stir up drama. Clowney's one of the more recognizable players on the Texans. And because most people do not understand defense, they think that he has underperformed as a first-round pick. They think that he's a solid player, but there's still a lot of blood out there that feel that he doesn't – there's still a lot of people out there that feel as though he was a wasted first-round pick or number one overall draft pick. Not necessarily that he was a first-round pick. If he was a pick number 12, he wouldn't get the hate that he does. He wouldn't get the gossip that he does. But because he was the first overall pick – there's been certain expectations for him that he has not lived up to. 
They believe that he would be another Hall of Famer, not just a very good football player. The belief is that he should be a Hall of Famer across from across from J.J. And we had pictures in our mind of the QB genocide that we were going to have these two pass rushers that just absolutely destroyed everybody. And then you look at Mac and Donald, and they were taken after Clowney, and you look at how they perform. So it's not even just us comparing Clowney to Watt. It's Clowney being compared to the other two pass rushers from his class. And he's not hes not there because he's a different type of player. He is literally, if you mix Mac and Donald, you get Clowney. If you need a Clowney to play the nose, he could play nose tackle just like Aaron Donald. You need him to be a rusher like little Mac, and he is. That's the part that is lost in all this. However, because it's harder to watch defense, Clowney doesn't get those accolades because he is not either one of those players. He's a slightly inferior version of both players combined. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, All right, so where are we now with our thinking on where we go from here? Are are your expectations that the next eight months is going to be Brian Gay and Chris Olsen, Jack Easterby? Or do you think that out of nowhere there's some draft capital exchanged for Nick Casario? Um, Seeing as how I'm a Texans fan and I'm incredibly jaded, um, you know what's going to happen over the next couple of months? Nothing. Whenever we get excited about something that we think that there's going to be this big story or we're going to finally get something or do something right, it it doesn't happen. I mean, the one time it did was when we actually hired Bill O'Brien. No one thought that we were actually going to get Bill O'Brien. Because remember, he was the coach everybody wanted that year, and we actually pulled that off. But other than that, whenever we get our hopes up during the off season, how many times does that actually come to fruition? Actually, let me rephrase that. Bill O'Brien and the Honey Badger. And both times, how did we feel afterwards? So, I mean, at this point, if Casero is really worth everything that he's supposed to be, we're not going to get him because he's not going to let us down. So I guess uh, I share the same sentiments. I expect nothing to happen. I expect them to roll with what they have and put all their eggs in the Nick Casario basket and hope that he comes. My biggest fear is that he doesn't and that the Patriots find a way to keep him. And we go through free agency and the draft without a GM for no reason and settle for another general manager that is just going to do what Bill O'Brien wants. Or this season goes down the drain real quick. Starts off very similar to the way it started last year. Bill O'Brien's fired that happens, does Nick even want to come here? Does Easter B want to stay? And then are we starting all over in year four of Deshaun Watson's rookie contract, also in the same offseason losing Clowney, and basically starting it all over outside of having a franchise quarterback? Those are my two big – like those are – that's, so the that's what I'm timeline. expecting to honestly happen. When this team, and here's why, when this team has faced any obstacles or hurdles or 
just anything that goes against them, they tend to fold under Bill O'Brien. No, I, you're discounting the win streak. Outside of a nine-game win streak against shitty teams. Hey, man, that's still that win streak was still pretty impressive. I guess. Whatever. It, it, how, where did it lead us to, John? Back to me. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we, drew we, got, we got those moments. I, we even, we even talked about it last year that we need to enjoy the win streak because something like that will probably not happen again in our lifetimes. It won't. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not worried about what you did at the regular season. I'm worried about what you do in the post. You know, I'm more worried about actually having football that I enjoy watching. I, there's a good chance you don't. You know what? This is a perfect segue. Um, there's a little meme going around on college football Twitter. Would you take a non-critical, non-life-threatening gunshot wound in order for the Texans to win the Super Bowl? Yes. Of course I would. Hey, you can shoot off one of my fingers. But see, my, you know, it's funny. my, my season... My, my football season is going to go a lot different than yours. Because I'm going to have a basketball team that's going to be contending for a championship, and I won't have to put all my eggs in the Texans' basket. Wait, are you what, – what, what, what basketball team are you talking about? I know you're not talking about the Lakers. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Lakers? Once Kawhi comes to L.A., it's not going to matter. I'm going to love the Texans and I'm going to watch, but I'm going to be smiling even when it's 42 to 10 and we're losing because I'll know that I'll at least have one ring no. at the end of the year. You've got that wrong. It's not going to be 42 to 10 and we're losing. We're going to be losing and it's going to be 42 to 35 because we can't stop anybody. Actually, because this is yeah, Houston honestly, and it's 50-something. Honestly, I just I, I have no I, I don't really know what to expect. You know, I, my whole I guess this is this is kind of a good segue into where we ended last season's with our last podcast was we, it started in week four where we actually it started in week three for me, week two for me, week four for you. I think more week five is when you truly hopped on the bandwagon. But of this is it for Bill O'Brien. I mean, this truly is it. This is the season where no matter what the excuses are, no matter what's happening around him, no matter what the injuries are, it doesn't matter anymore. No matter how the offensive line performs, no matter how the lack of corners show in every single game, this has to be the last season for Bill O'Brien unless he's able to get us at least to the AFC Championship, in my mind. Now, it's probably not that same sentiment in NRG. But we're going on, what is this, year six with Bill O'Brien? Right? Yeah, this is year six. It's got to be a playoff run or bust, in my opinion. I'm tired of settling and finding reasons to like Bill O'Brien. I love Bill O'Brien. Everybody knows that. I want him to succeed, not because he's our coach. I think he has the potential to be a great coach, whether it's here or somewhere else. But it hasn't shown enough, and I don't know – how much longer? No, we I don't. I don't disagree. Um, I mean, I'm going to be a Texans fan no matter what, and just what like I'm a Gamecocks fan no matter what. And I've seen some shitty ass football in my life because of that. I have seen some heartbreaking losing streaks because of that, and I still watch. What is wrong with me? Um, I could, you know, I should have picked like a good NFL team. You know, 
or a good college. Maybe I should have gone to that other school in South Carolina. That way I could at least figure out why people enjoy football instead of why I do. But with Bill O'Brien, I think that if we miss the playoffs, he's gone. If we make it to the playoffs and embarrass ourselves in the playoffs again, he's gone. This is his mess. I'm not going to give up regardless. I still think that he's – I actually think that he's an intelligent coach. I think that he is going to have success somewhere. Hopefully it's with us. You think – Yeah. We both share He's going to have success somewhere, and it's going to make us all sick to our stomach. But I just – I can see the entire city and the entire franchise just running out of steam on him if we get ourselves embarrassed or if we miss the playoffs. And he's got a very, very hard schedule this year. So that may also be part of the reason why they're not going to make a trade for Casero. It's kind of like, well, yeah, we're just going to wait a year because he may not be our coach next year, and we may want to go in a different direction with less less little brother of Patriots, you know? I just – whatever direction we go next year, I just want something new. I just do not want to go – I don't want to go backwards with old school football or an old school system. If O'Brien's gone, please stay away from the Patriots. That's all I ask. If we we'll win and we make the playoffs and we win a couple of playoff games, then yeah, bring in Casero. Um, I mean, I voiced my opinion last week before. It was everybody knew, but about Casero. He's not bringing Belichick with him. I do think it's interesting that they fight like hell for him because they haven't fought like hell like this for anybody else except for him and McDaniels. But, yeah. He even let McDaniels go originally. But at this point, I just I don't understand the continued obsession with it other than in football it's not really a meritocracy. It really is just who do you know. If you're good at networking in the NFL, that's how you keep a job. Yeah. My uh, I think the whole the biggest issue I have is just the whole clowny thing. I thought that when Brian was fired that our first action item was going to be to just lock him up. I, do, I I didn't think that they would do that. I I guess it was more hope than anything is that that wouldn't be looming over and we would enter the season with clowny under contract for the next 5 years. And we would be extremely excited about the potential of this defense continuing as Clowney has just gotten better, which is one of the parts that I think people seem to ignore is that each year Clowney has gotten better and he still has room to get better. And my biggest fear is we're just going to let him walk at the end of the season. And, or my biggest fear for Clowney is that he gets hurt this year. Yeah. And then he's not to be honest with you for a very, for a not a minimum but for a relatively low cost contract and, and blows up or whatever it would be that I try to think of the players as a little bit more than what I do about the team and at the end of the day if Clowney does get hurt this season he's impacting his life is impacted dramatically beyond anything that we can all understand um all right I saw this tweet right before we hopped on and it, it got me to thinking about how we always talk about the local media. So I, I don't even know who it was. I don't even think he's a listener. I don't know. He's got a lot of following. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Um, oh, yeah. He's one of Pat's friends. Lamont, maybe. Uh, Snow Black. 
Yeah, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but yeah. it's funny because he'll call Pat out a lot. And, uh, I mean, I don't follow him. I just always see his stuff tweeted on my timeline. Um, I try to distance myself from that circle as much as possible. Um, but he said it's, it's very embarrassing that national media reporters are breaking news about our team and nobody locally is capable of breaking the news or reports about anything that's happening at NRG or Toyota Center. Now, I don't know enough about Toyota Center. I don't really care at all about the Toyota Center. So, But with, with NRG, I do. And, and he's exactly spot on. None of them truly have an understanding or a pulse on what the hell is going on inside that building. And, even, and if they do, if they do, which I've read the media guidelines, it is a very, very strict media guideline. They are pretty much allowed to ask certain questions in certain ways. And if they don't, people lose their access to the team. It's been that way for years. Either way, if you are a local reporter and you're letting the team dictate what you report and what you don't, and you're just giving your opinion based on what Tom Polisario or Jay Glazer or Benjamin Albright is breaking, it's a true problem with this city. And it's it's really yeah. embarrassing, John, if you think about it. I mean, we really honestly don't have a plugged-in reporter for the Texans. Think about it. Everybody can say Pat's a great reporter, and I would agree with you 100%. I think Pat's extremely knowledgeable of football and knows what he's talking about. But he even tells you when he talks that anything he says is what he thinks that they would do. It's never what he is hearing they are going to do or or what reports or news he's breaking. It's always based on what well, he thinks that they would do. It, it's been an issue in Nobody, Houston. Anything. Because we always compare ourselves to – the New York teams and the New England teams and L.A. We are – L.A. Houston is a strange city. We should be considered a big market. But for whatever reason, for all of our teams, it's a medium market, like medium. The city itself is huge, but for whatever reason, the area around it, um, Houston just doesn't have – Houston sports in general just don't have a lot of support. We were just never, I guess, big enough losers to be like the Cubs where you have the lovable losers. But we were never winners like the teams up in that city in South Oklahoma where you have all the bandwagon fans. We're just there. Just all of our sports are just there. We had that one stretch with the uh, the Rockets where they went back-to-back, but everybody was like, oh, it's because Jordan wasn't there. So we didn't even get a chance to build bandwagon fans then. It's just... We don't have this huge presence. Houston within itself is, I think, I think there's a little bit of loyalty to the teams. There's not enough competition because it's really just the Chronicle out there. And the the media is just so hateful. Like, I just, it's not, usually in a market like this, I would expect where the uh, where the media is almost protective of their baby, hateful. Do you say hateful, hateful or like painful? Hateful. Like they they hateful. love the drama. They love when they're fighting. Look at what they're stirring up right now between Chris Paul and Harden. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, but that's the sort of stuff that seems to take off in the in the sports radio area of of Houston, which is where everybody is kind of cross pollinated. There's only one newspaper, and or one of note, I guess I should say, that covers any of the teams or that has beat reporters in there. The radio stations, I mean, we've we've talked about them at length. We just haven't – we've had a couple of good radio personalities, but we haven't had really that great standout guy, the guy that com- becomes national. Yeah. We lose them all. Like Nick Wright. I mean, he's huge now. He's, he started in Kansas City and then came to 610 in the morning, replaced Mark Vandermeer in the morning. But, yeah, you're right, 100% right. It's, it's, it's awful. And well, I don't we'll have see those it guys getting any that, better. Like him. Or he, we, we got used as a stepping stone. We didn't have somebody that's homegrown that been, has been a Houston all the way, make it national. Ish. Lance? I mean. What do you mean, ish? He's on he, Lance isn't. Yeah. And he's, he's the only one plugged in. But he's not a homer. You know, the homer that makes it national. Lance is, I mean, he's too close to the business with his dad being a coach, where he cares about the city, and he cares about Texas teams, obviously. Just watch his, some of the best videos on Twitter are him running away from his wife during Longhorn season. Um, but he's not, he's not a personality. He's a, he's somebody you go to for, for information. I know, and I've listened to it. I used to you know, actually radio listen show, right? to when he had the Distinguished Gentleman podcast, uh, which was just a consolidated version of his. Yeah. Like I know he's a radio guy, but he just doesn't stand out as a personality. He stands out as very knowledgeable. Very, he hmm. tells you things, and you you learn stuff from him in an, an entertaining way. Of course, I don't know. We're outside the Houston radio market, so people that have listened to him longer than me probably have something else to say because I usually. Even when I go to listen to them, it's usually to listen about Texans or whatnot. But I don't know. We just don't have that big homer that's outspoken about Houston. Dallas, Dallas, you shake a tree, and half the media think that network has them. Do you think that's mostly because of the Texans? I don't know. I think the Texans are so young as a franchise that we haven't had a chance to develop anybody. And we've also had changes. No, I'm talking about the media person that is just, or not even singular person. We haven't had enough success, and we haven't had enough history. And I mean, John was Gary was here. John was breaking news when when we had Gary. Yeah, pancakes. I don't know. Maybe somebody out there can put in better than me. All right. Well, we were like a half baked idea because I've never seen a media market like Houston's. I really have not. We have there's some guys out there that are absolutely fantastic, like Pat and Lance, for example. But for the most part, we have it seems like we have more mistakes on air than otherwise, and we just don't have a guy that. And maybe it's because none of our teams really have had done enough to actually be, to have defenders. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. 
we're an hour in. I thought that we'd have time to do the wide receiver position group, but I guess we'll have to save that for next week. Yeah, we got enough stuff to talk about still. Which is good. I guess that means we'll have a podcast next week. Nope. We still won't have a GM next week. All right, John, anything else? All right. Uh, We're going to have a GM for eight months. Uh, All right, guys. Uh, We're live on Twitch for the first time. Uh, For you regular podcast listeners, you guys will be able to catch us live on Twitch uh, on Tuesday nights. Just search Texans Unfiltered. Uh, You can find our podcast on all platforms uh, Wednesday morning. Just search Texans Unfiltered. You can join our Texans Unfiltered Discord. Uh, Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Outside of that, oh, you know what? Hey, can you guys start doing some reviews on iTunes, please? Please, please, please. We can use some iTunes reviews. And tell your friends about us, all right? We need some help. We want to continue to grow and be the number one independent podcast, which we are, but we want to get even bigger. Uh, All right, with that being said, signing off for Garnet Texan, I am Young Ari Gold for Texans Unfiltered. Catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100. So we don't go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way because we're coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. All for one and one for all.